You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Center Church, and good morning, Boulevard. My name is Drew Wilson. I am an ordained minister in the United Methodist Church. I've been doing this work for 14 years, and for the last two and a half years, it has been my honor to serve as pastor at Boulevard United Methodist Church here in Richmond. It is an honor to be here with you now. And new friends from Center Church, this is not how I envisioned the privilege of preaching with you for the first time, but I thank you for this privilege nonetheless. It is a privilege. And old friends from Boulevard, it's only been a few weeks since Christmas, but I miss you dearly. And all of you, despite this delayed start to doing church together in 2022, Allow me to point out that we have nowhere to go but up. We have a lot to look forward to as we are shaped in this new community together. Well, I typically like to start preaching with a brief prayer, and this week, after being snowed in and still being separated by COVID concerns, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul when he was in prison writing a letter to the Colossians. And he said this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in prison. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Amen. Thank you. So our story today, our story from Scripture today, ends in the wilderness, and I wonder if we might start there. After his baptism by John, Jesus ends up in the wilderness, in the wilderness for 40 days. And if you are hip to Bible lingo, then you may know that 40 just means a long time, 40 days, like Noah was on the ark when it rained 40 days and 40 nights, a long time. The Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years, a long time. And Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days where he was tempted, tested by the devil. He ate nothing during those 40 days, and at the end, he was hungry. And I wonder if we might, too, if we might start in the wilderness, in our wilderness, Omicron, COVID-19, pandemic. Has it been 40 days or 40 years? It's been a long time, but it's been a wilderness, a place of testing, a place where our confidence is challenged, where our faith is strained, snow days, school cancellations, parents, kids, anybody get a little testy this past week? We share some wilderness spaces, don't we? 
Last week, we marked one year since the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. For a lot of Americans, democracy feels like it is in the wilderness, like it's being put to the test. We share some wilderness, and then we have our own wilderness, don't we? What is your wilderness? Where do you feel intensely that you are put to the test? Is it at home? Is it at school? Is it at work? Or is it being out of work? Is your wilderness your body? Is your wilderness your mind? Your physical health or your mental health? Is your wilderness addiction or loss? Grief. There's a lot to grieve, y'all. You are carrying some of that grief in your heart, in your mind, in your body. Do you know it? How well do you know your wilderness? And then, how do you survive your wilderness? And not just survive, but how can you thrive in your wilderness? Because in the Bible, there is this strange paradox. That is, there's a reality that doesn't seem like it should hold together, but it does, and it's powerful. It's a paradox. And the paradox is that when God's people are lost in the wilderness, that is when they can come to the most clarity about who they are. And that doesn't seem like it should hold together, but it's true. When God's people are lost, separated, uncomfortable, when they are without food for 40 days and they are hungry, that's when they can find out what really fills them. When the Israelites are in the desert for 40 years, well, that's when they receive the rule book that will set them apart. When Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days, that's when he overcomes the tempter. When God's people can't find their way, that's when the way comes to light. The prophet Isaiah says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, but that light takes some walking in darkness, doesn't it? When the people are down on their knees, begging, please, crying, Lord, have mercy on me, sometimes then and only then is when the way appears. Blessed are the uncomfortable, the wilderness weary, for the way of God is near. So if that is us, then let's look for the way of God together. Our story today ended with the wilderness, but now let's go back a bit to find out how Jesus got to the wilderness. We read that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And before that, we read that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism. So what led Jesus to the wilderness and filled him despite his hunger is that same spirit that came through his baptism. Here's a little show and tell. This stole 
which is what clergy sometimes wear around their shoulders, their necks, like that. This stole I received from my first church. And it has baptismal images. Water at the bottom being poured out from a scallop shell. That's a natural scoop that you may find near the waters of the sea. And then on the cross, which is a a symbol for Jesus, on the cross you see wind and flame, two traditional images for the Holy Spirit. So this is a symbolic picture of Jesus in the waters of baptism, anointed by the Holy Spirit. And perhaps as you look at this image, you can still hear that voice from the reading saying, you are my beloved child. I delight in you. So I like this idea that Jesus is able to survive the wilderness in this spirit of belovedness. Because Jesus has heard that he is God's child. Because Jesus has heard that he is beloved, he can endure and overcome tests and temptations. There's a story that goes that in the 16th century, German church reformer Martin Luther got into his own wilderness. Martin Luther pushed back against the injustices of the church, and he paid for it. He was kicked out of the church. He was excommunicated by the Pope, and he hid in danger for his life. It's no surprise that Martin Luther struggled with fear and anxiety and doubt and discouragement. But when his demons would arise, he would shout at them, I am baptized. And he would also fling ink pots across the room. Well, Jesus didn't have any ink pots, but he did have this fresh memory of baptism. Baptism in water and the Spirit. And perhaps when Jesus' temptations arose, he could still hear that voice saying, You are my beloved child. I delight in you. I was baptized in Advent of 1982. Gives you a sense of how old I am. And this is not a recent memory. In fact, it's not in my experienced memory at all. I was tiny. I don't remember the temperature of the water on my head. I don't remember the songs that the people sang that day or the smell of wood and mildew in that church in the Shenandoah Valley. I do have pictures from around that time, though. So can I be vulnerable and share these pictures with you? Here's a picture. This is a picture of me with our dog, TJ. And you'll see I was wearing glasses at a young age because I was born with my eyes crossed. Here's a picture. (laughs) I did have surgery a few months after my baptism, and surgery was a miracle. 
but you'll probably notice even today that my eyes can still cross sometimes. I got bullied about it a bit in school. It's always made me a little self-conscious. Eye contact is not always my strength. And so it's really special to me that I was baptized with crossed eyes. That God said to that kid, you are my beloved child. I delight in you. So, I may not remember all the details of my baptism so long ago, but I remember my baptism. And it's still a fresh memory, if that makes any sense at all. It's still a memory that in the face of all my insecurities, all my fears and anxieties and doubts and discouragements, it's still a voice that says, you are my beloved child. I delight in you. At Center and Boulevard this month, we're doing this series called Formed in Light. And it's about how our lives are transformed in the Christ light of that star of Christmas and Epiphany. And last week, remember, Stephen talked about how we are formed determines our shape. And Stephen shared some simple formative practices that can shape our lives more faithfully. Like after waking up, just waiting a few minutes before picking up our phone. Before diving for a screen. Or walking without earbuds and just paying attention to creation. And this week, we're continuing to examine what it means to be formed in light. This time through this story of Jesus' baptism. We get to ask these deep questions. Who are we at heart? Amid all of our fears and anxieties and doubts and discouragements, amid our wilderness, do we have a baptized belovedness? In us? Do we hear a voice delighting in us? Do we share a spirit that fills us even when we are famished? And our invitation this week is into this interior life and interior examination. And you know, our culture tends to move pretty fast and stays on the surface. Our culture doesn't always value slowing down, resting, recollecting. And yet you don't have to be a church person or a Jesus follower to appreciate this kind of stuff. I mean, there are many resources in our culture for meditation and therapy and yoga and centering practices for mind, body, and spirit. This, the, the church does not have a monopoly on this territory. Last week, my spouse, Shay, saw an online ad for a service that matches you with seven other people for weekly gatherings to dig deep into life together, to connect, grow, and support. Sounds like small groups. Sounds familiar? 
And yet it's not related to church at all. And some of you might be thinking, hey, that actually sounds pretty good. And it does. It does. I hope a lot of people can find it. And still, for those of us who are drawn to the mystery of faith, drawn to the mystery of Christ in our deepest selves, well, we have a way. We have a way, and that is the way of Christ. We pattern our lives after the life of Christ. We take on formative practices in the light of Christ. We are formed in light of Christ. So as we look to follow the one who overcomes the wilderness, there are two practices that arise from our story today that I invite you to consider for this coming week. The first practice, obviously, is baptism. If you are baptized, I invite you to remember your baptism. Next time you're washing the dishes, next time you're helping your kid take a bath or clearing snow off your car, take a moment to touch the water and remember. Remember your baptism and be thankful. And if you are not baptized, I invite you to talk to somebody about it if you're interested. Stephen and I would welcome the chance to talk with you. Because baptism is a clear-cut moment of God's grace, and we need clear-cut moments like that. It's kind of like communion that we share. We can talk all we want about how God nourishes us, but at what point is somebody going to break some bread, right? In the church, we literally celebrate moments of grace that we can point to, and baptism is a big one of those moments. You are God's beloved child. God delights in you. You bet we celebrate that moment. And as in the story, when Jesus was baptized with lots of other people around, we remember that we are baptized into a community, into the body of Christ. We don't do Christian faith alone. We do Christian faith together. But not everybody is baptized, and not everybody remembers the grace of their baptism all the time either. Sadly, I don't. I don't. So as significant as my baptism is, I also need regular moments of grace. Communion is a super important one. I cannot wait to gather around the table with you all again. But if you look closely at the story of Jesus' baptism today, Luke offers another moment that the other Gospels leave out of their stories about Jesus' baptism. Luke says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended In Luke's gospel, the Holy Spirit actually descends after Jesus' baptism. Not as he comes out of the water, but as he is praying afterward. And this moment sets up 
all these moments later in Luke's gospel when Jesus will go off to pray. And here we get a sense that those moments to come are connected, like this one, to his baptism. They are occasions for Jesus to hear the voice again proclaiming that grace. You are God's beloved child. God delights in you. So the second invitation is to pray. And I simply want to extend one of Stephen's invitations from last week. It goes like this. Each day this week, whenever you get up and whenever you go to bed, bookend your day with prayer. In the morning, I invite you to take five minutes before picking up a phone or looking at a screen and simply let that voice echo in your head saying, you are God's beloved child. God delights in you. And other words may come, but let them go. Let them go. Hold only these words about your belovedness for five minutes. That's all. And then at the end of the day, before you go to sleep, do the same. And if you want something just a little bit different at the end of the day, examine what fears and anxieties you're taking to bed and write them down for a few minutes. Write them down and then having written them down and written them out, gotten them out, invite that holy voice to come and be the last voice of your day. Because friends, it is true. You are God's beloved child. God delights in you.